Me? Okay. Is this better? Yeah. They can't see this. live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This is Heart of the Matter, where we do all we can to worship God in spirit and in truth. I'm your host, Sean McCraney, and uh, where'd you come from? <laughs> Just kidding. Mars. Uh, we have a special guest all the way from Edmonton, Canada, eh? Mark Lobman. He calls in quite often to the show, but he's down uh, visiting in the area. He came up for our uh, Heart in the uh, Parking Lot a water baptism hot dog festival uh, on Sunday, which was really fun. Uh, ate about 100 hot dogs. <laughs> Mark did. And, uh, <laughs> just kidding. And, uh, but we had six ba wonderful baptisms. And uh, Mark, tell us uh, about you. Are you former LDS? Yeah. How long? 35 years. Wow. What brought you out? Uh, well, ex-girlfriend did. And then but that wasn't supposed to be, but it's just, I was sitting in church conduct, uh, about to conduct a meeting in the, in the Edmonton area, and I got a phone call from her, and, and then she started introducing me to your program and Earl's program and, and of that nature, and then I started spitting bullets, <laughs> like I got lied to. So, wow. so uh, and uh, it just, uh, just one thing led to another, and then she dropped me off at a, at a Pentecostal church, and the Holy Spirit took over, and... Uh, Three years later, here I am. Praise God. So, Pentecostal that, church like Warren, same thing. Yeah. Pentecostal oh, church. Our Pentecostals are kind of the Canadian Pentecostals. The, the, the water, the, the Baptists, such <laughs> more. <laughs> but they got more, you know, upper arm movement than the Baptists. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's a monster. He's kneeling and he's mind size. Mark, anything you want to say uh, to the audience? I just want to say that those who are. Uh, uh, LDS or contemplate or just just don't um, forsake Jesus Christ. He is our Lord awesome. and Savior. I know it's not the same uh, Jesus that the LDS portray. Uh, you may think it is, but just get the Holy Spirit in you, and the Lord will take care of the rest. Just allow Him open into your heart. Praise God, and then He'll come into you, into you. Thanks, my brother. Hey. Let's help him up, Delaney. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Thanks, Mark. October 1st, Adams Road and the McCraney Sisters, a live free concert here. Join us uh, at Campus Church Studio. Uh, and before we break into uh, the show tonight, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we uh, pause and thank you publicly and uh, pray your spirit upon all who are watching now live or on the archives or in the future that you will open their eyes to the truth. That's all we care about, Lord, as people know you in spirit and truth. Help uh, Delaney and I as we talk tonight and about faith and religion and God and, and all the things that will come out from our discussion. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we have a brand new show we're going to kick off on October 31st. We're also going to kick off Heart of the Matter revised on October 31st. So, uh, but we've had some really revelatory discussions with people over the past number of weeks and months that have brought things to the table. Tonight, uh, next week, we're going to have uh, Rick and Carrie Walquist, and, uh, and then we have some really interesting guests to continue on until we get to October 31st. But tonight, I am so blessed uh, and excited to have the first of my three daughters. Uh, this is my youngest daughter, uh, 
Delaney McCraney. Both of her sisters will be showing up later on in the month. If you've watched the show for any length of time, you may know the story about Delaney and I, but uh, let me give you the lowdown on our relationship over the year before we hear Delaney's thoughts and start to talk. She's had a different um, walk. She's had a different life in the McCraney family than her sisters has or than her mom or dad has. And she actually has some really keen insight. She is a deep river. This stuff runs deep with Delaney McCraney. And um, she, I can't even say her full, I can't even just say Delaney. I, that's all her friends call her, Delaney McCraney. I'm doing the same thing. Um, Mary tells me I'm her biological father. Sometimes it's hard to believe. Uh, but with my oldest daughter, Mallory, I was a struggling LDS father. And I'm not t talking too much on Mary's behalf. Mary's always been pretty stable with everything. But uh, I was always kind of hovering around as, the as this LDS father, making Mallory obey the Mormon rules. Our second daughter, Cassidy, I was embarking on a journey out. And so that was when Delaney was still pretty much a, a young child. So Mallory got the most Mormon dad from me, and Cassidy got the more seeking, searching dad from me, which Mallory also experienced. But Delaney was almost too young to really know uh, and, or to relate to me in those terms yet. And she, once she really started to get to, we started to get to a point where we could kind of know each other, uh, I began to disappear every week for half the week uh, for 11 years. And so it was during those years that we kind of, we didn't lose contact with each other, of course, and I tried to support her in the things that were important to her when they would come up, graduations and important games and things. But Mary did the sole parenting for her for uh, over half the month for 10 years with Delaney. And so when I was there, it was, we would hug and talk and laugh and eat, but we didn't know each other very well. We just really didn't. And in some ways, not to demean, demean my two older children, but that probably worked to her benefit uh, because uh, Mallory and Cassidy had exposure to me and I was in a very tumultuous way in my life. So I'm not sure it did great things for them in some ways. Nevertheless, Delaney and I, we've always loved each other, didn't know each other really well until these past two, three years. Um, and this was hard on her, but I want her to know it was hard on me too because I felt guilty as a father for my absence in her young life. And uh, what made matters extremely difficult, uh, and if you're a parent, you understand this, is that while Mallory is a tough kind of person, and she hung out with a tougher group of kids, uh, and in Huntington Beach, and Cassidy is very affable. And Cassidy going through junior high and high school she could she was popular with all the kids delaney when she was young had trouble being accepted by some kids especially the mean girls and so this was really hard on her because she wanted friends so desperately uh but to her credit she wouldn't sell her soul out to be popular she she was going to be who she was and i'm giving you my honest assessment from looking and hearing my wife call and talk about her and the trouble she had. My wife used to go and have lunch with her in junior high and maybe even grade school every day because the mean girls were so mean to her. And she paid for her 
abiding individuality uh, among grade school and junior high and even some of high school. Uh, then one day, she like sprouted to six foot one <laughs> and social acceptability became a big norm and she retained her personal integrity and her vision on life um, to the point that she is the most social person in our family now. Uh, she, she has all these friends and she's involved constantly with all the friends that she's made in college and, in, and now in graduate school. And, but the road was not easy as it's not easy for anyone who is socially punished for being different and unique. So amidst all this, while her family was kind of being torn up partially by my immaturity and needing to grow up as a man, and the religion was kind of being torn up underneath Mallory and Cassidy to a certain extent, Delaney made tracks into the Christian community on her own. So while we were all still LDS, except for me, and, her, and Cassidy still had friends in the Mormon church and was active a little bit, and Mallory was still sort of Mormon, Delaney was still Mormon, but she made tracks into the local Christian popular scene in junior high with another girl. And so tonight, I'm hoping to hear and hoping that she will open up and, and express what it was like to go into evangelicalism, because this is a very evangelical church that she started off at. Then she went four years to a Christian private college, a Nazarene college, which is very strict in terms of the way they teach the gospel, full of culture. And she was, a, she was uh, acculturated in college for four years at a Christian campus in San Diego, all on her own. I'm, I w she would come and visit here and talk with me, but we didn't know each other well. And I'm talking a language that I don't even think she could relate to. She was exposed to evangelicalism and then college evangelicalism in a way that none of our family could really understand. She saw things we did not. And now she's in graduate school back east at Michigan, and she's on her own. And in the past few years, we've been able to uh, talk about the same books that we have been reading and very interested in philosophy. And, and so my youngest, dearest daughter, Delaney, welcome. Tell us about, go back to uh, any memories you have of the LDS and then the transition into the evangelical group with your junior high friends. Um. The only real LDS memories I have, honestly, are just social events, but it wasn't hard for me to leave by any means. It was like you started going, doing Calvary um, school, and right, right when you were doing that I went, was when I went to Calvary, right? Started doing the Calvary junior high thing while going to the Mormon church, while going to another Christian junior high group. So I was really involved in it. I dropped Mormonism pretty quickly just because I I just liked the Christian church better. Mm. I thought at the time that I believed it more, but I don't really know if I knew what I what the difference was. Mm. But I knew I felt more comfortable in the Christian church. Now, did you feel comfortable? I remember the church nearby the house by the Carl's Jr. They had, everything's related to fast food in my world. <laughs> Me too. Uh, <laughs> the Carl's Jr. church, what was it called? Uh, Christ Presbyterian. Christ Presbyterian, which would be uh, which would be Calvinist. Mm -hmm. They had concerts, didn't they? Yeah, it was a 
every Wednesday. It was called Power Source, yeah. Power Big Source. Thing. And you'd go there and you'd have uh, fellowship with other kids, and a lot of the popular kids were there, and mm -hmm. and so you made you made some friends in that way. Yeah, and the the main friends I had were the leadership group of that. Oh. So I was like in it pretty hardcore. I wasn't the, in the leadership. I was. I was with the pastor guy all the time. and yeah. Did they know that you had come from an LDS background? I think so, but I don't think anyone really knew what that meant. They didn't the even, even though it's right down the street, the, yeah. the church is right down, they didn't even really know. I don't think so, uh -huh. or care at least. And, and at that time, because when you talk, and people are already seeing this, Delaney is a sensitive soul. She, she wants to know the truth and she, she doesn't like conflicting messages in her mind and heart. She won't just say, I will believe this. She will question the heck out of it and turn it over. So it's sensitive to her. It's hard to, to kind of bring some of this stuff in. Were you, you thought you were at a certain place when you were going to the evangelical junior high uh, things. Yeah. Where did you think you were? I thought, I really believed Jesus was a savior. I thought I was a Christian. I fully was sold, bought into it. Um, I don't know. There's certain things that I had questions about, like hell and stuff, but uh, I don't, there wasn't much thought, I guess. I was just, okay. I liked having friends and I did believe it. I think I had a relationship with God for sure. I felt him in my life, okay. but there wasn't, I didn't have, I wasn't at the point where I could, at that time at least, to say where I thought I was. I don't know. And moving into high school, did anything change? Or was it the same group, the same church? Mm -hmm. You started to go to the other one. What was that called? Yeah, Seaside. Seaside Church? That one was is Seaside Community Church. And that, it was a community. They're all friends, everyone in town. And so again, I think I had a lot of friends. And But I had friends outside of it, and that started to make me quite, not question, but see outside of it a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and what did you I see? Don't know. Uh, I don't Dating a certain guy made me see like he would question me, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't really have the answers, and I didn't. I would like give him a Bible and be like, I, "This is where it is. This is what I've been told." I, I've never really like knew what to say though, so mm -hmm. I guess I started to be challenged on it. But. So do you think that uh, the church, uh, the Christian church as junior high and high school may have supplanted for you uh, the friends that you didn't have close and it became a community group for you and you, you were part of it uh, and you believed it, but you hadn't had a full conversion and you just kind of were going along? Yes. Um, I remember several times feeling the need to do the altar call thing because I never like, I never was sure. Um, by the end of high school, I was sure. I don't know what happened. Mm. And I think being in our family made me just have the whole, my whole life, it's just been like an outside true, like true believing group that's mm -hmm. been in my ear and so I will say it several times, like, I don't think I would be able to even think the way I do if I didn't have, like, the openness of our family and the belief that you guys have had. I, I, I wouldn't have thought anything in high school. Mm -hmm. I just would have gone with my friends and gone with, but I think 
you, what you were going through and everything made me think, I don't know what I was thinking about, but. But you were also challenging. I, I remember if we would be together and uh, something would come up or I would make a comment, even then in high school, you had established in yourself a certain belief system yeah. and you weren't willing to just listen to me and say, oh, yeah. you were kind of like, wait a minute, that, you know, what about this and what about that? You've always been a questioner and I've always appreciated that about you. Yeah. So college. Point Loma Nazarene University mm -hmm. salute and pull that skirt down, <laughs> sister. So <laughs> you played volleyball four years. Tell us about the immersion into a Nazarene culture and 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 just just explain to us what happened like with like the team and playing the sport and tell us about the culture of Christianity that you were exposed to. Okay. Um well, to start, this puts, in high school, I took a lot of pride in being a good girl and being the Christian one, and, and I think I was still relatable to all these kids, but I would never go to parties or anything, and um, that, anyway, I got to college and became friends with, like, there's, there's just two groups, like, you can't deny that there's these party kids that are into bad things and then the really really rigid Christian kids and then I'm on the volleyball team so those are athletes that don't care about Christianity but my coaches you pray before you have devotionals with your team it was a really really weird mix of things and I, I became friends with party kids and Christian kids I was in the middle of all of it and I and it was just confusing and um, so in volleyball that after four years of that it got really challenging because they would they would literally connect our our uh, effort level and practice to not glorifying god or just my friend uh <laughs> yeah it was not, i'm so sorry i let you go there no, no. <laughs> and i really do i think my coaches like had had the right intent that's always been an issue with me is like i really feel like they had a, the right intent sure. they just got stuck in like wherever they were in thinking and certain girls i had it pretty easy other girls went through things in their lives and they were benched because they did this or that and it was yeah that was so if there was ridiculous. a moral problem with a girl on the team in and they would bench them for that. They would bench them because the girl would go to the coach in confidence for help, and and then they wouldn't be able to play because they went for help to the. So it was looking back at the time. I didn't know what to think, and looking back, that was pretty messed up. I thought. But. So there was a lot of worthiness going yeah. on. The the worthy yeah. uh, is that what you would have called it in that environment? They don't use worthy though, do they? They. No. They never really said it out loud. It was just kind of below. They never would claim like you have to be worthy. You have to do this and that. But I guess they would. We weren't allowed to drink. We weren't. We had certain rules. But those, these other things were outside of those rules. They were like kind of judgmental in certain ways. Um, again, probably with the right intent, but it just didn't come out. So what did that approach to, because uh, it is an approach to religion, even though you're getting an education there. Yeah. 
what did that approach to religion did you see? How did it affect the kids who were super Christian? And how did it affect the group that were the partiers and, and being wild? Um, the super Christian kids just ate it up. We had chapel three times, four times a week. Um, and I think it gave an empowerment to them. And and it's hard not to. Like, I, I would go in and there were times where I felt the spirit and I felt encouraged and you want to go out and help this and that. But then, I don't, and then the party kid, the bad crowd or whatever, they were just so turned off of it. Not, I don't know one person that came out of that happy hmm. with the way they were treated. Um, I'm sure there were, but just, I have some dark friends from there hmm. and they just got darker after all of it. It was like, I don't want to be like this. They, hmm. I'm not a bad person. That was their thoughts and mm -hmm. so. Um, I, I don't know what I thought. Mm. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know. So I know that when you came out of that school, and this is before you and I knew each other well on a uh, spiritual level, or knew each other, because we've worked together now in art and stuff, and had a lot of conversations, and we've gotten to know each other better, lived with each other. Um, but when you came out of that, I know that you had views that were, for her to walk into campus, was not part of the code. No. She was, she, I think you were, tell me if I'm wrong, you were conflicted. She had a lot of uh, conflict because on the one hand, she had experienced a lot of good things within the evangelical community. But on the other hand, she wants to love and respect her father and her sister and her mom and we're all behind this. And then that was right about the time when I started saying, you know, I wonder about the Trinity and I'm wondering about eternal punishment. <laughs> and you have some very good friends that are fully immersed in evangelical thought, and you were probably trying to dialogue with them about this stuff. How, what was that doing to you? It's all looking back. I didn't know what was going on at the time, but I really think I had, I believe, I have always uh, related to the things you've taught but it just didn't sit well because I had related to the things that they taught, but also had these people at school who were completely even doubted that I was a Christian because of things that, even though I related to them, it was so, so I, just, I was just confused. And um, I think it has all come down to people's intentions. I've had like good talks with some people. Not I don't think everyone's intentions were good by any means, but certain people, I would be like, there's no way that they can be trying to be evil right now or something. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I didn't quite know how to like reconcile the two and like believe and let myself be free to think like a certain way and still be a Christian in their eyes. I mm. guess it was in their eyes mm. that bothered me that they never saw me as a Christian, even though I knew where I was. So. Oh, wow. That's so that's amazing to me knowing you and your just just your way and your just innate moral stance it surprises me that uh, that would be the view because you chose to be friends with the partiers and and uh, and whatever else so fascinating what religion does to us yeah. so you come to uh, to Utah 
what happens then? The deconstruction <laughs> begins. <laughs> Your heretic father got a, got his claws in you. No. <laughs> hey, she is free to believe or not believe. All of our children are free to do whatever they want. Uh, really, I, I mean seriously, no bedtimes. Go to whatever party. Do whatever you want. See whatever movie. Go to concerts with them. Listen, it's never ever been about you have to do things our way. The only thing, I don't know what we made them do, except tattoos. they couldn't get tattoos. <laughs> if they got a tattoo, I would have probably had to kill them. So, uh, the only thing. so no tattoos. Oh, we, we didn't like them to cut their hair. That's what, there's big pressure in our family against, don't, no, don't, don't cut, don't cut it, and don't get a tattoo. Uh, it was like, I think one of them said to me once, what's the worst thing, the worst <laughs> thing in the world, Dad, that we could do? And I said, get a tattoo. <laughs> and of course, I've got them. So, uh, <laughs> uh, that's life in the McCready house. So, coming here, what happened, tell us if you can because here's the thing you have been prejudiced because I'm your dad and we are trying to establish a relationship with each other that can heal some of the things that uh, you know some of the pain that you have had and uh, not having me around and and the way I can be and all that stuff so we've had a few bashes but what has started to happen and the reason I want you to articulate this even though some people say well, it's just because he's his, she's his daughter is I want you to tell people what what you were exposed to, what started to open up your mind, what challenges you've had. Well, I'll start it out by saying I think you have given me less, like far less concrete answers than I've wanted this whole time. I've always gone and been like, what? It, and he's just like, you have to figure out for yourself. Like, <laughs> it's always been hard because I wanted you to just kind of tell me what it was and you would say I believe this but it's always been that way um, and I think coming here it was just an es it primarily was an escape from everything I didn't have any friends that were Christians or Mormons or anything like no friends even <laughs> moving here and um, no influence I think I've just been I think probably deep down it was just this friend thing, a lot of it, mm. um, and I've wanted to know what was right, and mm. what you have said has been conflicting with anything I've been taught in these churches, so it was really hard, and it took a, the full first year of coming to campus twice a week, coming to the show talking to other people, talking to my friends from home, talking to you, talking to Cassidy, my mom, everything, to just like wash it out, read the Bible and figure it out for myself. And I think it pretty much came down to like, do I believe in God? Mm. Which was like really shocking that I was thinking that because it was like, this has always been. I remember when you came to that point, yeah. and I, I just not even sure I believe in God, yeah. and I'm not sure what that means. That was remarkable that uh, after all the social construction and experiences, yeah, that you yeah. could come to say that. But that is a seeking heart when you can say, "I wonder if I really do believe in Him." Yeah. 
So I was really glad you came to that point because it meant you were digging deep. So keep going. Yeah, it was hard to come to that point. What? Because it did something to your ego, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it makes you, like, first of all, I've been preaching to any whoever my whole life that this is this is true and my experiences are real and then suddenly it's like how can I question this experience that was so real to me at that time mm. um, that still is kind of weird to me but um, Delaney is a as much of a philosophical journey in her Christian walk as it is a metaphysical one and um, so what obstacles have you faced in your quest for truth, your philosophical quest, as much as your metaphysical quest? Because you, this is important for our audience. Some people have great emotional events that change them radically. I had one and other people I know have them. And other people, it's like for her mother, Mary, I think it's a lot more systematic and it's a lot more logical and it's a lot more of a process over time to work things out with God through his word and through thinking than it is just that emotive change. And it's different for everybody. So her way is not superior or worse than anybody else's. But what obstacles, what, has ha what things have come to you? Like in your study of Jean-Paul Sartre and existentialism and, and, and the, you, re just, you read that book that all of our family has read, I think. Um, from Socrates to Sartre and all that stuff. What, what has happened in your mind relative to God? Um, it's been pretty recent, but I've just, I haven't been, I haven't found out why it is that I believe in him. I haven't been able to like give a concrete answer for that. I, and I don't want it to be based on my feelings. So I think that's why I wanted to start reading that stuff was to see and I keep coming around to everyone has every single person in the world has a different opinion and a different belief system no, even if it's similar it all varies and it's like my only my only uh, conclusion to that is God and I don't want that to be my reason for him it's just like a last resort like this is the only thing I can rely on um, so it's just been going, trying to figure out these different people's opinions and not really knowing what I think of them until recently, um, reading about existentialism and just making connections to Christianity. Not that Sartre is the one to be talking about. He talks about atheist existentialism, but I'm trying to see like how that can relate. And I really think just this past week, I realized why I want to choose God, mm. and it's because he gives free will to choose him, and it is like the, it is freedom, he is freedom, and mm. I know this is like probably old news to you, no, but, no, it's not, it, yeah, he it's is, it's beautiful news to me, <laughs> me too, it's so cool, I can't believe, yeah, he, like if you really want freedom he gives it and I'm not obviously not very articulate in it but you're doing fine yeah no and like Sarge says we're condemned to be free and it's the hardest responsibility in the whole entire world and that's why I think 
I've had such a hard time is that no one, I've never seen anyone take that responsibility. They've all just blindly just judged each other and no one has said, I'm responsible for every single decision I make and I need to choose God and choose to love every single moment. And I just think that's really beautiful that we, that we have that chance and that's how I want to choose him, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's in some ways, you remember studying Rene Descartes, where he uh, said, listen, I'm not getting answers here, so I'm going to doubt everything. Yeah. And he doubted down to everything until finally he says, you know, I'm thinking, uh, therefore I exist. I think, therefore I am. And so that's, and that's kind of what you've said. You've said, I, I keep saying, why do I believe in God? Why would I believe in God? Because it's convenient, because other people do, because of this, because of that. And you've said every time you think about it you come back to god just mm -hmm. god and and then it's brought you around to the freedom that he gives mm -hmm. and those two things have philosophically helped you jump into a sounder metaphysic of yeah. of believing now more instead yeah. of looking for some empirical data to prove it yeah and it's more subjective mm -hmm. yeah you've had a very subjective experience other people they probably don't even understand what the heck uh, you're talking about you know but you've had a subjective experience with your mind, the way God created you, and he reached you in a way that no one else is gonna be reached, probably, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's brought you peace, and it's helped you to come to some conclusions. Is that a correct assessment? Yeah, exactly. Uh, what have you concretely decided, if anything, uh, with the backdrop of your life relative to God? Do you have anything that you stand on concretely at this point in your life? Um, I, I stand on, <laughs> I stand on the fact that he is there every time that I go in my direction of wanting to doubt him and trying to doubt him and coming to this point of like, I'm not even smart enough to try and doubt you. Like this is, and he's just there. And that, those are the times that I have feelings and I'm not sure what that means, but I stand on that. I stand, um, I stand on the fact that we are, are free and have to choose him and that it's constant and that that can, it's just work and you have to choose him at every moment with every encounter, with every person. Um, and that I'm not really innately one to do that mm. more than I thought. I, I think I used to think I, it wasn't that hard for me mm. to just choose God. And now it's becoming a lot harder as I get older. Mm. Um, <laughs> Those boys are starting to look pretty hot, aren't they? <laughs> no. Uh, so um, there's a really important point that she's bringing out here. The Jesus experience that you probably witnessed in high school and junior high school and at Point Loma, where people are saved and they have the Jesus experience. And how do you balance that with the fact that you just said you got to choose him and you have to choose to love? Really, it's almost every minute of every day. So how do, do you have some way of seeing how those work together or how they're ignored on one hand? Yeah, I think um, 
I've had like a hundred Jesus experiences and they all, I guess they were all things that I could look back to, but like there came a time where I doubted those. And so having a, a crazy experience doesn't necessarily, your life isn't over right there. That's not where it ends. It's, it might be a good um, a way to get you going, I guess, for okay. certain people. Um, but I don't think it's necessary. Um, and then, how think, oh, go ahead, sorry. I don't know, I guess if you do have that, it you still have to choose every single day. It Like, there's a next step. You're not done after that experience. But if you don't have that experience, I think that's where I just, I just had that experience was by realizing that I am choosing God. That was my experience, my first, true like experience that was your Descartes moment you, yeah you, you you realize that he is there because you are choosing him yeah ex yes yeah yeah exactly okay I get that so and the reason I bring that up is because I am personally emphatic about the fact that the Jesus experience is very important and like she said it keeps you going and and these experiences that we have with God they keep us going but they are not what the walk is really fully about. Bartosowitz was on here a few weeks ago, and, we, and I said, I think then, that 85, 92% of the New Testament talks about what she's saying, the moving and love, choosing to love, choosing to be a Christian. You have the Jesus experiences along the way, but by golly, every minute of every day, you are, you are deciding to say, God, you're first, and I will try to love in spite of what my flesh wants me to do. And so in your experience, did you see, um, did you run into many people who live that, that they honestly live the faith because they love God and love Jesus? Or in your experience, did you see more hypocrisy or less? I'm probing this because I think they're in religious systems like at a Nazarene University, you're going to have hypocrisy, mm -hmm. and and how much love were you seeing? True Christian love, exuding into forgiveness and kindness and long suffering for everybody. Did you see that much of it? And we're talking about a young group here, so that's going to play into it as well. I think the people that I really saw it from were people that I was close to, friend-wise. And that I feel like that comes with friendship anyway oh. to some people. So, um, so a secular think, humanist could be a loving friend that would show unconditional forgiving love to somebody yeah. without God in your experience. I well, I just think that there are people, maybe not a point Loma, but people that are non-believers that are devoted to their friends yeah. and they will do anything for them. And I don't think that means it's unconditional love. I see. Um, but from strangers, there was quite a bit of hypocrisy that was just from my experience but I was a I was a strange case I think at Point Loma and like a challenge to those types of people and they didn't necessarily know how to handle that and it wasn't necessarily love in my opinion I don't think I have the right to say that but like it didn't feel loving mm. coming from me mm -hmm. from my perspective but. any major changes in thought since the high school college days 
where you are now, you're going to Michigan and uh, you're in a different group there. You're kind of probably in a largely godless uh, group. So now you've, you've gone from the protective womb of a Christian school to a, essentially in your field, a godless you know, uh, field. You, what, what do you appreciate about maybe being surrounded by Christians versus not, or being in the world now, and yeah. now you're experiencing a whole new thing. <laughs> That. I've never experienced this before. I feel I feel like I've never really experienced the world until recently. Uh. I've been kind of in a shelter for a while, um, and it's not fun. It's uh-huh. uh, yeah, I miss it here. <laughs> yeah, we miss you. <laughs> Sorry. She she told me the other day she loves what she does, but she just wants to be part of campus, <laughs> and uh, that's that's uh, a beautiful thing for a father to hear. You're gonna be fine. You have our prayers and uh, you are unconditionally loved and accepted here. Come back pregnant, come back, <laughs> come back, whatever. Just don't come back with a tattoo. <laughs> uh, Delaney, any other uh, thoughts that you've had relative to things that you have become convinced of uh, that have helped you? And also, is there any message that you can give to girls? You and your sisters, you, you and Cassidy especially, are really good with your advice to younger girls. And that is such a trepidatious topic in our world today that our young girls are getting eaten alive by this false world. So, and you also worked with girls in college as part of uh, your faith. You helped mentor some very disturbed girls. Uh, but. <laughs> but I hope they're not watching. Uh, laughing at it. Uh, but tell us, any of that, anything that you can share. For girls, at least, I am so glad that I was influenced by my sisters and my parents to just be myself and not give a crap about those other girls, the other kids. Being yourself and staying strong in that will take you a lot further in the end. I know it's hard to see now, but um, you'll just know who you are. You'll be confident. Is it worth it? Yes. To hold <laughs> a out? A million times. Yeah. You've seen plenty of girls that we both know who have gone through the mill with their life. They've gone the, around the block. And, uh, and you see what they're like now. You've seen, uh, you have so many friends and you've seen. And, and what's the difference between making good choices, deciding to love God first, yeah. deciding to move forward with that versus just giving it up to the world? What is the difference now that you've seen some people get older? There's, there's just a worldly difference, first of all. I feel like I haven't been distracted as much through my whole adolescence. I didn't really care about boys or... Uh, Except for John Maroc. <laughs> oh my gosh. I no am one. so dead. I am so dead for that. Dead. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was all naive though, and it wasn't like... It was this. naive. <laughs> yeah, everything, and I'm probably a lot more... I'm just coming to realizations that people came to a long time ago, and. I'm a late bloomer for sure, but uh, I think that, yeah, I've been blessed for that. I was able to focus on school or volleyball or different things and enjoy my friends and kind of learn who I was in certain respects. You can't 
just more than other people. You didn't have to rely on other people to figure out who you were. Um, and, and yeah. what about girls who might be uh, involved in a church that might be maybe overly religious or underly religious, either way? Yeah. And what would you say, uh, suggest to them looking back about their faith walk? What would, you, what would you tell them? I would tell them to think for yourself and talk to God on your own and read the Bible, which I need to apply that to myself now. I, I never really did, and I think that would have helped me just get my own opinions. You are your own person, and you're free to choose. And choose him. It's a good choice. <laughs> yeah, now listen to me. But, <laughs> um. She's the new ruler in town. <laughs> but. Brand new sheriff. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anything else? Must my, my beautiful youngest daughter, who I'm so proud of, and I've been such a blessed man to have you as uh, the caboose in our family. And. Uh, People, you have a certain uh, way about you that everyone knows here in the room who knows you, but your friends and your family know the barbaric, <laughs> uh, extremely strong, <laughs> violent. Uh, she can take me down. This kid is strong as a freaking ox. And, uh, and also you have a keen sense of uh, right and wrong. Damn it, you just don't like it when things are not <laughs> right or r you have a very keen sense for that. And uh, I appreciate it. I, I have a very gray sense in that area, but I appreciate the fact that, that you have that. You're gonna be fine. The Lord loves you with, with all his heart. You're going to be fine in your mistakes and your failures in college. And you're going to make it through and Jesus will carry you. And you will always know he's there. Like you said, he's always there for you and he always will be. And uh, just so blessed to have you as my daughter. And thanks for coming on the show and bearing your soul. <laughs> Not easy. You're an emotional girl. And yet uh, I'm very proud of you and, uh, and being my daughter. <laughs> Next week, we're going to have the wall quiz on the program. Uh, Carrie and Rick, who raised in the church, raised their kids in the church, active in the Mormon church, faithful in the Mormon church, and then uh, came to the light, went to another local Christian church here, got involved for a year or two, steeped in that, and then the light came on there and have pretty much, from what I understand, walked from all of it. And I'm, we're going to find out if they've walked from the Lord. We're going to find out if they've walked from uh, a faith in God. We're going to see where they have come to next week here on Heart of the Matter. We'll see you then. I'm on a ride Going nowhere I am an existential cowboy on the wind And I won't be coming out, I'm going in This man's awake, a storm's arising The dawn's awaiting till a hundred monkeys know
I can feel the light-filled monkey start 